Hola, bonjour, hello. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible to have a word language class where instead of teaching the language, the rules, and the vocab, you and your students use the language to enjoy learning about each other and the world? I hope your answer is a big yes, because that's exactly what you will discover inside Growing With Proficiency, the podcast. My name is Claudia Elliott, a Spanish teacher born and raised in Colombia, who is as passionate as you are to support our learners to grow in their proficiency and cultural competence. My goal is that in this podcast, you find clarity, strategies, ideas, and inspiration that you can bring into your classroom the next day. Are you ready? Get comfortable while I grab my cafecito colombiano and let's start this conversation now. Hola, bonjour, hello. Welcome to episode three of Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. I am so excited that you're here and I'm so thankful. I'm really honored that you are on the other side listening to this episode. Okay. So let's talk about episode three. Today, we're going to talk about how to stay in the target language. And because this topic is very big and also so crucial for us as world language teachers, I decided to do two parts. So part one is going to be how did I start? And part two, how I sustain it and the use of target language in my class on a daily basis. Okay, so... Let me tell you something. When I first learned that ACFA was recommended or recommends that we use 90% of the target language in a class, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't see myself being in the classroom for 90% of the time. I've always been teaching in public schools. My students, my classes are between 25 to 38, 39 students. And I just didn't see how 90% was going to happen. I was very exceptical, to say the least. But then when I started learning about second language acquisition, I realized that I didn't have a choice. Yes, I was afraid. Yes, I had so many doubts and questions. But I also knew that if I wanted my students to acquire the language and develop proficiency, I had to stay in the target language. Now, if you haven't listened to episode two, When you finish this, I highly recommend that you go back to episode two, because let's be honest, staying in the target language is not easy. It gets easier, but it's just, it's not that easy. So knowing why it is really important and it gave us that motivation that we need sometimes. Okay, so today I'm going to share with you how I start using target language in my class. But before I do that, I wanted to share with you an opportunity to learn with me. I'm offering for a series of four live sessions where I want to share with world language teachers like you how to go from input to output, how to help our students uh, to get that input from us and from readings and from different audios and then move it to support the output. So if you want to, if you are interested, check it out. Go to growingwithproficiency.com forward slash Power Pack. Our first session is going to start on October 29th. Okay, so let's go back to our episode. I'm going to share with you the first big shift that I have to do in my class. And the big shift was to 
how I approach I des- and design my content. Now, if you're multitasking at this point, I really want you to like come back to me and listen to this first part. When I was looking at my textbook and I was looking at the content of my textbook, it was based, basically, basically centered in grammar concepts and vocabularies. So usually my questions when it comes to content was, how can I teach AR verbs? How can I teach greetings? How can I teach colors? So my thinking and the way that I approach my content is how can I teach this language? But the real question or the question that I had to shift was how can I use this language with my students? So for example, when we're talking about greetings, I decided that I cannot teach greetings. I mean, Really, I didn't have to teach greetings. Uh, my question was, okay, so how can I use greetings every day in a way that my students understand and engage with me? And I decided that I was going to create some slides. You can decide something totally different. But my thinking was, okay, so I'm going to design different types of greetings uh, because there are so many. And I'm going to have options for them to answer. And at the very beginning in level one, I'm going to have options for them to answer with uh, body language, right? Like show me with your fingers how you're doing. Five, great, one, terrible. Or thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, and then move from there to using maybe single words. Uh, I'm good, I'm bad, I'm okay. To use adjectives, uh, to use a variety of adjectives. And then maybe I can start using phrases. So that's what I did. I went from how are you doing today five, I'm great, one, I'm terrible, show me with your fingers, and they did that. Then I moved to thumbs up, thumbs down, and then we start getting a little bit more complex, but it's still keeping it very basic. Now, the reality is that today, today, I spend like five minutes, I have 90 minutes classes, so I spend five minutes checking in with my students in the target language, and I was so happy this morning when I asked my class, how are you doing today? And one of my students said, out of script. So she wasn't using the scaffolds that I was putting on my slide. She said to me, I am doing, I'm sad because I have a test and I didn't sleep, but I am doing great because I have golf practice today. And she did that level one student all in the target language. And it's because every single day I ask the same question in a different way and I give them different support. So I'm not teaching readings. I'm using readings in the class to find out how we're doing. See the shift? Now you may be wondering, okay, that's great for readings, but what about the curriculum? Because Claudia, I have a curriculum. Now I hear you. I do have a curriculum too. And let me tell you, I was very concerned those first years because my students take an end of course exam based on a curriculum that has a lot of grammar concepts. But let me tell you, if we use target language in class, they are going to see all all those grammar concepts. They are going to see them. They're going to use them. Maybe they don't have the language to say, oh, I'm conjugating this and that. And if you think that you need to do that, then of course you have to do what you need to do. But my my realization was that as long as I use target language in class and a ton of it, and my students are comprehending, they're going to get those grammar structures. And they did. Now, if you're talking about curriculum, this is how I move from 
How can I teach AR verbs and all the clothing items? So instead of that, I'll say, what kind of a story can I tell my students related to clothing? And there's so many, right? Like, oh, let's talk about what they want to wear for the prom. Or let's talk about what is in fashion today. Or maybe let's bring a picture of a very popular person uh, among our students and see what she's wearing. And maybe we want to wear the same thing. Or maybe we will never wear the same thing, right? But you are not focusing on, I'm going to teach all the clothing items, but we are going to discuss about this person and her uh, clothing style. Now, for me, I really want to try to stay uh, in my conversation with some culturally rich content because I want to cultivate that cultural competence. So when we're talking about clothing, I was reading these articles about uh, Nancy Dahomares. And Nancy Dahomares is an Afro-Equatorian uh, athlete and she went to the Tokyo Olympics and she was wearing this turbante. And I thought like, oh, this is a great story to tell my students. And then I read another article about Lydia, who is a Cholita in Bolivia, who decided to start climbing mountains at the age of 50. Yeah, wearing her Cholita traditional clothing and all her other stories about how the clothing items that they were wearing was part of their identity. And for Lydia, for example, she wasn't allowed to wear that in school because it was against dress code. <laughs> oh my God, it's so relatable. So I told the story to my students. Now, we use a lot of clothing out, uh, items. We use the verb to wear. We use colors and descriptions. And we use a lot of what was in my chapter about clothing. But we, the, I, my intention was never to teach that, but to tell a story. See, so when I changed my thinking, then I was excited to use target language to communicate all those messages. Now, Bill Van Patten said something in one of uh, his podcasts. I don't remember, uh, podcast episodes. I don't remember which one, but he said, sometimes we try, we are trying to do the same thing and calling a different name but we're just doing the same thing. And what he meant is when we're really talking about comprehensible input-based teaching, we need to change the approach of our content because we're not really, or we're not teaching the language anymore. We're using the language in class to communicate messages. And yet, it's going to be a time and a moment that we're going to stop and say, okay, look at this grammar concept. And I'm going to give an example. Today, I had a student in my Spanish one class that raised her hand and we were looking at a text that we wrote based on a star student interview. And she said, Señora, ¿por qué? Like, why are we using le gusta here and le gustan here? Perfect moment, right? So I explained it and it took me like maybe two minutes. And she was like, okay, thank you. And the student's like, oh, that makes sense. But they are understanding and getting that information after they know the language, right? Sometimes I, I, I keep thinking about this. Sometimes I feel like in my, in the past, I was trying to explain to my students how to add, how to multiply, how to subtract, but they didn't know the numbers. So now when I'm talking about my class, I want them to have the language. And when they already have the language, then those explanations will make much more sense. Okay. 
So we have the content. That was a big one. Now, then you may be wondering, okay, so how can I say all that? Because I'm going to need a lot of language. How can I stay comprehensible? And this is my second aha moment. This is a big shift. Do we really need a lot of language to tell those stories and have these conversations with our students? And I'm going to ask you another question. Do you think that all the words have the same level of importance? Now, let me tell you, I thought that they did. (laughs) But then I discovered that they don't. And we can use frequent structures. We can focus and be intentional to use frequent language instead of all the language. And when we focus and use frequent language, not only our students, not only we, like the the range of language that we're going to use in class is going to be much less. So it's going to be easier to be comprehensible to our students. But for them, when they acquire that frequent language, they will be able to understand more. They're going to be able to read and understand more, to listen and understand more. So their proficiency will grow faster. So instead of trying to cover everything, we're going to be laser focused on the language that it will help them the most to um, develop their proficiency faster. And I'm so thankful for all these incredible word language teachers that have done all this work before us. So when we're talking about frequent language, we cannot go without mentioning Terry Waltz and Mike Pito, because Terry Waltz identified the seven most frequent verbs. And then Mike Pito went one more step and he identified the 16 and he calls them the sweet 16. So when we're talking about those 16 verbs, we, we can tell a lot of stories in those with, with using those 16 verbs and we can see in the target language. And you may be wondering like, how Claudia? And this is what I did. And what we do is we create posters to put on our walls. And when we enrich our classroom and our spaces with this frequent language, I'm telling you, you're going to be able to stay in the target language so much longer. Now, when you put those posters on the walls, it's not only for the students to understand when you're using those structures, but for you and for me to be intentional. So every time that I'm writing a story to tell to my students, that I'm thinking about questions that I want to ask to my students, that I want to design a lesson for my students, I'm always looking at those frequent verbs because I know that if I have them on my walls and I and I point to them, they're going to be comprehensible. So the second shape was really understanding the importance of frequency, the use of frequent language in my class. And when I discovered what was the most important language that I have, I decided that I was going to use them around the walls and put them around the walls so it would be easier for me to point at them. Now, what language or what posters do I have? And this is all frequent language. So the first one, of course, are the seven super verbs by Terry Waltz. And there are, there are to be the verb ser in español, eh, to be the verb estar in español, to like, to want, to have, and to go. 
and they are in the first person and the, and the third person in the present tense, and I also have them in the past tense. Now, then I added the sweet 16. So anything plus the sweet 16, I created additional posters for those, and I have them, and you have like to have or to be able and to see and to know and to put and to um, do and I add them those is in Pipedo. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes so you can click and, and look for them. And then after that, what do I need? I need questions because, right, we're not going to stay in the target language just by us talking. I need to ask questions to my students. I want to talk with them, not at them. So I had the question words. So I put the question words. And I also add rejoinders because I want to give my students the option to react to what I'm saying in the class. So I put rejoinders like, oh, no es justo, it's not fair, or good luck, buena suerte, or que triste, how sad, or pobrecito, poor thing, or eh, how scary, que miedo. And I start adding, right? Like, ojalá, hopefully, o quizás, maybe. So a lot of the, every time that I go and I start kind of like talking to my students, say, oh, that's a great expression. I add it because I know that if I give it to my students, if I use it, they're going to feel empowered to react and to be part of the conversation. Now, in addition to that, I put function words. And function words, I didn't put the first year. I added in, I think, the second or third year that I was doing comprehensible input-based instruction. And it's because I kept reading Bryce Henstrom. And Bryce Henstrom started talking about function words and the importance of function words and how our students, if they know these function words, they will really understand more. And the function words are like with or without all these prepositions and these conjunctions. So I am going to put the link to, I went and I got like the first 10 or 15 most frequent function words. And I, I created a poster that is called a small but powerful, pequeñas pero poderosas because they really empower my students. Now, I teach upper levels too, so I decided to put a lot of connectors, a lot of transitionals, a lot of sentence starters for um, language function, like if you want to give your opinion, if you want to compare, if you want to narrate. So I added that. Yet, I have a lot in my class, but I use it. So that was the second the second uh, big shift that I did. So the first one is shifting the way that I design and I approach my content to be more com communicative driven. And then the second one was use frequent language and use as much as I can of that frequent language or put them on my walls. Now, the third one was slow point pause. I really needed to be very intentional to slow my speech, point at the word, gesture the word, draw an illustration, like point at the word that I'm using and then pause because that pause is going to allow my students to process all the language and you think oh that's going to be boring for my students not really I mean what I've learned is that when I go slow and point and pause it creates like a tension in the class now of course, we have to ask questions. Of course, we're going to have to have brain breaks. And we have to, because especially when you have 90 minutes class, because we want to sustain that 90, 90 minutes in the class, 90% of those 90 minutes. And that's what I'm going to be sharing next episode. But the beginning was slow my speech, point at the words, 
and posts. Now, let me tell you about that pointing. I spend a lot of time creating my posters, putting them on my walls, but on the walls, they're not going to do any good unless I use them. And I have to point at them. I have to walk to them and point them. I also have a laser uh, pointer and I use it too. So sometimes I walk, sometimes I use my pointer, but I make sure that if I'm using the word, I'm pointing at the word because I know there are going to be some students in my class that I haven't acquired that. And at the moment that I start becoming too uncomprehensible for my students, I'm going to lose them. And that's when the classroom management issues start coming up, the frustration, the affective filter is going to go up and I'm going to lose my students. So it's really important that we go slow, that we point at the words and we pause them. And we pause after each sentence. And I try to keep very short sentences, especially my level one. I try to do between three to five words and I pause. And if it's a longer sentence, I pause in the middle to allow for them to process all the words. Now, let me go back to the point part. Why is it so important that we point? It's important for you to point so the students understand, but also because the students know where the words are. And I love that because when it comes to the moment that they're gonna, students are going to output, you're going to ask me, do you take all those posters down? No, I don't. And this is my thinking. I'm, I'm giving all this support and all this language so they can use it. And if they're using that to express their ideas, opinions, good for them. I'm excited for them. And you can see them when they're writing something. You can see them looking or when you try to say something, they're looking and they want to find the word because it's like, I know that word, I, but I don't know how, how do I write it? So they go and look. So pointing is really important, not only for them to understand, but also for them to know that that's available for them. Okay, I know this was longer than expected, but it was so important for us to stay in the target language. So let's recap. The three big shifts or the three big ideas that I had to incorporate in my class in order for me to really achieve those 70%, 80%, 90% of the target language was first, shifting the way that I approach my content to really have content that it was communicatively driven, that my purpose was to communicate a message and not practice language. The second one is use frequent language and try to equip your class to to set up your classroom in a way that you have that frequent language accessible to you. Now, if you are a travel teacher, I think when we went to in COVID, and we changed, what I did was to create those language, the, the language chunks that I needed for my lesson, I put them around my PowerPoint. So I created PowerPoints for every single lesson and I have my language there, but really focusing in that frequent. So it's not all the language that you need, you need the frequent language. And the third one was using those, if you're gonna have, if you're gonna spend the time making those posters or creating those slides, use them. Point at them at all time and pause, allowing the processing time for your students is going to help you a ton. Okay, so that was it for today. I know it was a lot, but, you know, I hope that you get got a lot of great ideas and strategies and inspiration to move through class to 
you know, 70%, I don't know, 80%, 5% more than yesterday is, is good. So before I go, I wanted to uh, invite you to subscribe to this uh, podcast and share with your um, friends and colleagues. Also, I have an incredible resource that I would love for you to have that is five legends. Uh, and these five legends are great for October. They're different levels. They're from different countries. So if you want to get that legends into your inbox, uh, and it's for Spanish, I'm sorry, but that's what I teach. So that's the resource. There are five legends in Spanish. So if you want that resource in your inbox, go to growingwithproficiency.com forward slash leyendas. L-E-Y-E-N-D-A-S. And you can get it in your inbox. And of course, the link will be in my show notes. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I love to hear from you. If you follow me in Instagram, I'm at Claudia M. Elliot. Send me a DM. Send me your questions. Send me your aha moments. I love to hear that if this episode is helping you in any ways. Okay, that's it for today. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye now.